Welcome to episode 203 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast to get your free electrolytes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 203 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. And by the way, if anybody hears something that sounds like a leaf blower, that's my neighbor. <laughs> the teenagers outside doing leaf blowing. So if you hear something weird, that's what it is. I don't hear anything. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> Someone else might hear it. I can hear it even through my headphones. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So how are you? I'm doing great. Just busy, busy working on the new book. I can't wait to start talking about it. I know. Yeah, I'm working on it. It's, it's a lot of work. A lot of work to write books. And I was just telling you before... 
we started recording that every time I think about you writing it, I get very grateful that I am not writing it. (sighs) It's a lot of work. It really is. I saw something the other day that made me laugh really hard. Let's see if I can paraphrase it. It's, if you want to be proud, teach someone to write. If you want to live a life of crushing doubt, write a book yourself or something like that. That's not what it was, but I'm like, yeah. You know, because as soon as you write anything, you're like, wait a minute. Is that good? Is it bad? Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Anyway. I had a really nice interview, I think yesterday or two days ago. Uh Uh-huh. Who was that? I got to interview Terry Walls. Oh, that's exciting. Which was really exciting. I feel like she's really well-known in the holistic health sphere. For listeners, she has a really famous TED Talk, but she completely reversed her MS through diet. And she's a doctor and does clinical trials. But she said something that I thought was so amazing. And I was like, I'm going to start saying this. And then I was actually reading... Dave Asprey's book, Fast This Way, and he made a similar concept. And it was an idea I wanted to share, which was, she said, I don't, were we talking about fasting? Yes, I think we were. Yes. Because, oh, you know, do you know what she does? Fasting? Mm -mm. She only eats every other day. So she's an alternate daily faster. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to her about it. And she said she encourages people when they're trying to find like the fasting, you know, schedule that works for them to do everything out of curiosity the alternative was like, rather than like fear or feeling like you have to do it, like just being curious about it. And then I was reading, like I said, Dave Asprey's fast this way. And he made a similar comment about, I'm not sure if he used the word curiosity. I think he was talking about doing everything out of like wants and not needs when choosing your fasting. So it was just basically this idea from both of them that about not having fear or feeling like you have to do certain IF protocol or feeling like it's this rigid thing that you have to do, but rather just something that you get to do or you want to do or you're curious about. And I thought that was really freeing. Yeah. The whole idea of getting your mind in the right place. You know, I have the mindset chapter in Fast Feast Repeat in, you know, just having the right mental attitude towards what you're doing. You know, like then you start, you know, appreciating the fast for what it is instead of just living for the feast, you know. There's a lot of good stuff going on in our bodies. And so we learn to appreciate that very much. The fast is powerful. Exactly. I'm glad that you had a great chat with her. It was good. And then I told you, I'm going to interview Gary Tobbs. Awesome. So excited. I was thinking about it. I realized, I always say that, well, he's not paleo. I always say that Rob Wolf was the person who like initiated me into the health world. But I think Good Calories, Bad Calories was the first book I read about like carbs at least. Right. Yeah, I read that one. It's a doozy. It really is. But if I just could take one thing away from that book, it was that it's a lot more complicated than we thought. (laughs) That's what that really taught me. And, oh, just because somebody says something doesn't mean, you know, (laughs) so that, that really sent me down the path. I think you're right of this is really complicated. Our bodies are not just calories in, calories out. Yeah. He has a new book. Have you read it yet? The Case for Keto? No, but I've read an analysis of it. (laughs) Well, Somebody that I really like, Marty Kendall, Optimizing Nutrition. Who I'm also going to (laughs) interview. I just had him on my podcast. Oh, you did interview him? How did it go? Yep. I interviewed him this week. He's so fantastic. He's great. Did you read his book, his new book? Which one? Well, it's not out yet. I don't know if he sent it to you before the interview. The one about keto? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I've read it. I read it. And the myths. Yes. 
yes, I, it's so good. It's so good. So we talked about it in the interview. But yes, he sent it to me. And so I read it. But I was like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time I was reading it. And then when I talked to him, it was great. But by the time this episode comes out, mine will not have come out yet with Marty. But you know, Marty Kendall has an analysis of Gary Tobbs's new book on his Optimizing Nutrition website. And optimizing is spelled with an S because he's Australian, if anyone's looking for it. But anyway, I'm curious to see how the timeline goes if I release those episodes, you know, like back to back. Because I, I know Marty, I don't know if it's a critique, but he analyzes. Yeah, it's a bit of a critique. Not in a bad way, but I think that Marty may have been closer in beliefs to what Gary Tobbs is now and then has learned more and moved away from some of them, if that makes sense. Like everything that Gary Tobbs says, Marty Kendall used to agree with all of them and over time has learned more and moved away from them and and maybe feels that Gary needs to move away from some of them as well. I don't know if that makes sense. When I read his critique, I think that. That's the way I would summarize it. Did you know Gary founded with Peter Atia? What is it? Was it NUSI? Yeah. Yeah, I followed that whole story, you know, when they were doing their studies. And it, it's fascinating, the whole idea of, you know, they funded these studies and they didn't exactly find what they thought they would find and a lot of debate about that. So it's fascinating. I'm imagining Case for Keto is probably very long. I haven't even, like, picked it up. I'm like, oh, no. I have so many other books I'm reading right now <laughs> that I just have to get through. I got to like take a breather, but it's going to be fun. So shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have some listener feedback. The first one comes from Crystal. The subject is thank you. And Crystal says, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say thank you. I've been dabbling in IF for the last year, mostly in a 16-8 model. Like many people, I heard that 50-calorie rule. I would wake up to two tablespoons of a sweet creamer in my coffee because it was only 50 calories at 8 a.m. At 10 a.m., I'd be starving, like that shaky, low blood sugar hungry. I'd have a small breakfast, then basically snack all day, have a big dinner, stop eating at 6 p.m. After 6, I drank a cup of tea with stevia and usually a diet soda. I was constantly finding hunger. It was a total chore. Many days I would cave and not fast at all. My willpower could not override the hunger I was experiencing. Since listening to your podcast and learning about spikes in insulin and the benefits of clean fasting, I've dropped my bad habits and I feel incredible. I rarely feel hungry. I never have that low blood sugar feeling. I no longer crave sugar. I have so much energy all day and I find that if I cave and open my window early, I regret it. My weight loss has increased dramatically and my blood glucose has normalized. I just want to say to those just starting out, Having a less strict fast isn't helping you. It just makes fasting so much harder. You gals have changed my life. Thank you so much for all of your research and for sharing. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. I loved reading that. And if it were true that putting a little something in there made it easier to fast, I'd be putting a little something in my coffee too. But, you know, the science explains why. And I'm so glad that you stumbled upon our podcast and listened and that it's helping you. Because I remember those days before I was fasting clean, that white knuckling that I was going through. Oh, by the way, Melanie, that made me think of something that Marty Kendall and I talked about when I interviewed him last week. And that was, you know, the whole putting all the fat in your coffee and why that is not a good strategy for weight loss. 
Marty agrees with me. (laughs) He agrees with me that, you know, the goal is not, and actually reading his blog is what informed me because I've been reading his blog since 2017, I think, something like that. But his explanation of, you know, ketones in the blood and what, what does it mean and chasing high ketone numbers being, you know, not what we're wanting to do. Marty really has a great way of explaining all of that. So you get it. And so that really helped me understand along the way, reading his blog. But he talks about how our goal is not to have ketones. Our goal is to get into ketosis, which I have said, you know, multiple times, we've said it on this this program and in this podcast. And so putting the fat in your coffee may not have, you know, the giant insulin response that, you know, sweetener would have, but it's still not what you want to do if your goal is to burn your body fat. So we have a question from Brenna. The subject is ketosis. She says, hello, this question may have been answered before, but I figured I'd give it a go. I've been fasting clean since April, 2020 with an average eating window of six hours. Starting out, it was 16, eight, and now it's mostly 24. I'm a carb lover like both of you, but don't follow a specific diet. My meal slash snack foods usually consists of a lot of carrots, potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and apples, along with chicken or ground turkey for protein. I also enjoy things like Barbara's cereals and animal crackers, always a kid at heart. I recently purchased a Keto Mojo blood glucose monitor out of curiosity. I'm a nurse and I tend to like numbers and raw data. To my surprise, I am barely reaching ketosis when I thought I'd feel it in my body. I would get the odd taste in my mouth and feel energized towards the end of the fast. My average has been 0.4 millimole after 20 hours of fasting, and I've heard 0.5 millimole is considered nutritional ketosis. I've tried to do my own research, but I can't seem to find anything unless it's related to a ketogenic diet, which I absolutely refuse to do. I thought I heard y'all talking about how we shouldn't be measuring ketones, but I may be mistaken. I would love your feedback on this, and thank you so much for your podcast. It's been so great. Thanks again, Bren. Thank you for asking, Brenna. That is fantastic. And going back to what what I was talking about with Marty Kendall, he has got a blog post that I want you to look for on optimizing nutrition. It's called Optimal Ketosis is a Goal, More Ketones are Better, The Lie that Started the Ketone Movement. (laughs) So basically, we are not chasing high ketone numbers. You really need to just read what Marty Kendall says about it because it's fascinating. And he started off, you know, the same thing, you know, reading about nutritional ketosis that you're talking about there. Here's something, though, that's so interesting. People who are doing, you know, who are in ketosis long term, ketone levels drop over time. Marty talks about this. And so, like, he even talks about, you know, he had Steve Finney who is like one of the authors of The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, which is where some of these numbers started off. So he had he had Stephen Finney at his house staying with him when they were <laughs> having low-carb down under. And they they were talking about it, you know, and about the chart that was in the book that people keep referring to. And that chart was based on blood ketone levels of participants in two studies from the 1980s. Okay, that's where they got that chart from. So this is like the original chart that came up with? Yes, the one that everyone is using as this is what we should be striving for. Basically, these people were new to a lower-carb diet at the time that they were tested. So ketone levels were high. And 
basically the whole keto community has begun to realize over time, oh, ketone levels go down. Oh, it doesn't make any sense to to chase high ketones. And so all the things, you know, and Marty goes into this all in, in his keto myths. And he's not anti-keto. When you read the title of his book, you might think that it's a book against keto, but it's a book that's trying to bust the myths, the, the, the bad advice that's out there. Like, oh, if you're not getting high ketones, just add more fat, add more fat, have more fat. Well, adding more fat is likely to give you higher ketones, but why? Well, because your body is going to be making them from all that fat you're consuming. Is that going to help you? No. It might look better on paper if you're shooting for this high number, but now you've got all this extra energy from the fat that you're consuming. You know, He and I also talked about the eat more fat to lose more fat myth, and it was fabulous because I said, you know, there's one thing that people always say, you know, that's bad advice in the groups when someone's saying, I'm struggling with keto, what should I do? And I'm like, so Marty, what do you think the number one bad advice we always hear is? And he said, eat more fat. And I'm like, yep, that's it. So eating more fat is not a winning strategy for really anything, <laughs> basically. It might give you higher ketones, but that's not our goal. Look for his blog post. Just like back in the day when I was reading Dr. Fung's blog posts, this is before the obesity code came out, and I'm like digging down the rabbit hole and reading this post and that post from Jason Fung and being like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, it was like mind-blowing. The same thing happens when you start reading some of Marty Kendall's blog posts. Like she doesn't even really want to do keto, but she's eating a lot of carbs and not experiencing. Okay. So it sounds to me like she's confused because she thinks her ketone levels should be higher because she's heard that you get into ketosis during the fast. So it sounds to me like Brenna is thinking that you want to be in art and science of low-carb living, high levels of nutritional ketosis levels of ketones during the fast, and that is not true. She's chasing high ketone numbers, but we're not trying to get high ketone numbers. We're trying to get into ketosis. Well, I mean, we enjoy being in ketosis. I'm not even going to say we're trying to get into ketosis, really, because you can lose fat without being in ketosis. But we want to prove that we're in ketosis by finding these high numbers that we think we need, and that is not what you need to do. That's my point. Especially if, like for Bren, if she's happy with her diet and likes how she's feeling, you know, it would be one thing if she wasn't losing weight and didn't feel like she was in the fastest state and was like trying to tweak things, then that actually might be a case where she might want to look at her food choices to possibly further encourage the entry into ketosis. Because I don't want to discourage people from doing low carb diets if they want to do it. It is very likely if you're eating high carbs and then you switch to low carbs, yes, you'll probably get into a deeper state of ketosis, either deeper or sooner, or like it is going to make a difference, most likely. So I'm not trying to discourage people from doing that. But if it's somebody like Bren who has no interest in doing ketogenic, is happy with her diet, but the only thing that's bothering her is that she's not getting this certain number on her keto mojo, I would not stress about that. She's been getting 0.4. And she's like, well, I really need 0.5. No, no, no. <laughs> Even if you're only getting 0.1, that's showing that you're getting into ketosis. We're not trying to have high levels. Marty has another blog post, not the one that I just said. I can't remember the name of this one, but it's this wonderful graph. I'm pretty sure I've referenced it before here on the podcast that health is associated with less energy floating around in your blood of all types. Like just in general. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to have high levels of blood glucose floating around in our blood. We know that. High glucose in our bloodstream is is bad. 
We don't want to have high levels of fat floating around in our, our blood. You know, we know that. We also don't want to have high levels of ketones floating around in our blood. So during the fasted state, we really want low levels of things floating around in our blood. We're not trying to get them up. That would be like us thinking that we needed high levels of blood glucose in our blood. That mistake, you know, if you're like, I'm trying to get my blood sugar up as high as I can because high is better. No, it would be the similar kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. All right. Shall we jump back to going out of order? Go back. Yes. Anyway, so... Thank you, Crystal. Back to the original question about the clean fast. Yes, the clean fast matters. And we're so glad that you found that it does. And now we have one from Mary Ellen. And the subject is bioptimizers. And she says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I don't have a question, but would like to give feedback on a product you endorse for others who may have issues with constipation. She says, I am a 49-year-old registered nurse. I've been an intermittent faster for two years and have had great success. I love this way of life. I follow a 4-3 or 5-2 lifestyle, and my down days are on days I work since I have amazing energy while fasted. I have had chronic constipation since my 20s. I've been to GI docs, have had colonoscopies, have tried every fiber and supplement, but the only way I have a bowel movement is by taking milk of magnesia once a week. This works, but as you can imagine, it's a lengthy and, quote, explosive end quote, event. I heard the endorsement on the podcast for Bioptimizer's magnesium supplement and decided to try it. Well, I have taken two capsules for the past four nights and, drum roll please, I have had a bowel movement the past three mornings. A normal BM, no diarrhea or pebbles. This is amazing. A total game changer for me. I can't believe how much better my tummy feels. I know it's early on, and I'm hoping my body doesn't become acclimated to it, but I do have plenty of room to increase the dose if necessary. I just had to share this for any other IFers who have the same issue. Thank you, Jen and Melanie, for your great advice. Take care, Mary Ellen. Awesome. Well, as a fellow struggler of GI issues, I love receiving emails like this. And yes, we've we've had Wade on the podcast, one of the founders of Bioptimizers, and we did a whole episode on magnesium and how basically our bodies are just depleted. Like magnesium is one of the minerals that is really hard to get an adequate amount of today from our food because the soil is just so magnesium depleted. They formulated their magnesium supplement to have, there's like seven forms of magnesium. So it has all of those forms, especially in my group, IF biohackers, people talk about this product, magnesium breakthrough. A lot of people experience other great benefits like reduced anxiety and stress. And then a lot of people do see a lot of improvement in their bowel movements. So super excited to hear that. And I think they're actually a sponsor on this episode. So if you listen to the ad that we are running, I'm not sure where it's going to be placed. It might've been at the beginning or it might be in the middle. That's where you can get the link to our latest offer for them because I don't know if it's magnesium right now. It's always changing. Yeah. They're a really great company. They really are. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys 
guys, where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands. And it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. All right, shall we jump into some questions? Yes. So we have a question from Sophie. This is a a lingering one from our Ask Me Anything episode. She says, I'd like to know the potential diminishing returns of fasting over time for weight loss. Anecdotally, many long-term IFers seem to hit a wall and no amount of tweaking seems to make a difference. Me, but I'm not alone. Why do we seem to eventually stop losing weight and even put weight back on? I've read each book and I am aware of the troubleshooting and tweaking and the medical testing for other potential reasons. You know, yes, anecdotally, many, many people hit walls and have issues. I want to say something, though, that's interesting. You know, I've been in the intermittent fasting community for a long time. And the first time that I've seen this happen, like, the way it's happening now has been 2020. I think the stress of 2020, you know, the the pandemic, you know, we did not see a lot of long-term IFers hit a wall and have weight regain and have all these problems until really 2020. Like it's it's been different this year. What'd you think about that, Melanie? 
That is such a fascinating answer. I, I wasn't anticipating that. Well, I mean, I've been in the community for a long, long time. And I have said before, you know, people get to goal, they stay there. And then all of a sudden, we've had more struggle in 2020 than we ever had before. Is it because more people really are struggling or because the community is so much larger that it seems like more people are struggling? Because let's imagine, you know, I've got a group of, let's say, 300,000 in the regular Delight on Deny group. It's actually bigger than 300,000. It's more than 300,000. But let's say we have 300,000 intermittent fasters and a half of 1% are regaining weight and they all start talking about it. It's going to feel like a giant amount of people, but it's really a tiny percentage. So when you say many, many long-term IFers hit a wall and stop losing weight and put weight back on, I don't have numbers, but I really don't think it's many, 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 like you said there. I will say for me, I know that I, well, I'm going to say, you know, I haven't weighed myself on a traditional scale since, what was it, 2017 or something like that. I know that looking at photos of me in 2018, which is right after I retired from teaching, I have some photos I think I hit my lowest, leanest weight in 2018, and then I think I slowly put on a little bit of weight, not enough to get out of my honesty pants. I still fit in all my clothes, but I I was a little puffier, just a little. I also was going through menopause during that period of time, which is a hormonal change. Most women gain a good deal of weight during menopause. And so if I had been weighing every day, I don't know what my scale would have told me. Maybe I gained 10 pounds. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. But I think I did have a little bit of of gain over that transition. But what's interesting is now I'm on the other side of that, and I am actually back to what I felt was my leanest weight from 2018. So here we are now, 2021. I think my weight went up a little bit, and now it's back down a little bit. Again, I don't have the numbers, so I can't tell you exactly what it did. But my, my honesty pants are fitting me like they did in 2018. Chad's like, oh, look, look how you're losing weight. Stop doing that. (laughs) All of a sudden, he's saying that to me. But I really haven't done anything different other than, you know, I've tweaked the amount of alcohol I'm drinking. Other than that, I think it's my body and my hormones. Maybe 2020 and the stress, I don't know. But did I gain some weight and then lose it again? I think I did. But what I didn't do is worry or stress or think that intermittent fasting had stopped working Or why did I gain weight? Why am I losing it again? I think that we have normal cycles in our lives is where I'm going with this. For me, I think the menopausal transition, I think I may have gained a little weight and then I lost it again, just based on clothes and photos. But again, I didn't grow out of my clothes ever and need bigger clothes. That didn't happen, but I think they may have gotten a little tighter. If a person has hit a wall and no amount of tweaking seems to make a difference, something has changed. It might be your hormones. Maybe you're going through menopause. It might be maybe you've had window creep and you don't feel like you're eating more, but you really are. Your window may be different. Maybe it's the stress of the pandemic, but not one of those things is minor. They're all big. So I don't think that, you know, there's anything that says that we get diminishing returns of fasting. I certainly don't think that anything that happened for my weight over the past, you know, from 2018 when I think I was leaner. And then I wasn't as lean, and now I'm back to 2018 again. I don't think it was fasting that had anything to do with that. Does that make sense? Did I explain that well? Yeah, I was just thinking about how basically 2020 for many people, even if it was just one factor that could potentially affect weight loss, that would be huge. Like say it was just a stressful situation, like stress. But it's not just stress. It's stress. It's the majority of people no longer going into their physical jobs 
So like the physical activity, I imagine for a lot of people dramatically probably shot down, not going outside quite as much for a lot of people. So vitamin D going down, the lack of like social connection, like there's so many things. And then, you know, dealing with the stress, a lot of people probably did turn to more comfort foods or... Oh, I was certainly doing more baking. Yeah. And a lot of, I feel like takeout like escalated. It's basically the perfect storm of challenges to face with losing or maintaining weight or not gaining weight. So yeah, I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. And this is a a new question from Sophie because sometimes we answer questions from like, you know, 2017, but this is a very new one. One thing that seems to be implied in this question is that intermittent fasting is the only tool that we use whether our weight goes up or down. It's all related to intermittent fasting. You know, well, I did intermittent fasting and my weight didn't go down, so intermittent fasting doesn't work. But really, there's a lot of other things in your body going on at one time. The health of your gut microbiome. You mentioned sleep. Intermittent fasting is a tool in our health and weight loss toolbox. But it's not the only tool, and it doesn't work in isolation. Yeah, 100%. The second thing I was going to say was, like, she doesn't even mention this question. Like you just said, it's just talking about fasting, but there's so much more. And food choices, I think, is really huge. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. I honestly think, and this would never happen, so I'm grateful for that. But if I had to choose between fasting with food choices that don't suit my body compared to healthy food choices that support my body and not fasting, I would probably choose the food choices. I think it's really, really huge what we're actually putting into our bodies. So we don't really have any details about what Sophie's eating or her window. There's really not any details. So it does seem to be sort of a a resigned mindset idea about IF. Yeah, because it seems to imply that you're going to hit a wall, you're going to stop losing weight, you're going to put weight back on. And I mean, I guess if I had that feeling, especially if I was weighing every day, maybe I would have felt that way in 2020. You know, maybe I don't know what what I weighed. I don't know. But I could have been like, oh, my gosh, intermittent fasting has stopped working for me. But it didn't. It never did. I was actually listening to a really, really interesting interview on Ritual with I don't know who it was, honestly. It was actually in his recap episode. So he was doing little pieces from interviews all throughout the year. But I think the guy was a trainer who works with athletes. And he was talking about the effect on athletes during this time and them not being able to train. He was basically talking about the different mindsets. Like some people, especially who were really into physical activity and then couldn't do it because of the pandemic situation, that some people kind of choose to just not do it anymore and figure that they'll, you know, get back to it on the flip side. And then some people keep like a, like a little bit going. So it's like they're at a baseline that's just a little bit removed from where they were. And he was saying how much easier it is if you, like, you don't have to be completely perfect and like maintaining the exact same thing that you're maintaining. You might perceive, oh, I'm not maintaining or I'm gaining weight, but it's quite possible that you kind of sounds like what happened to Jen, like a baseline that's not egregiously far from where you were, but it is, you know, a little bit far, but that baseline will probably, once the situation changes, the environment changes, you get back to it, 
it probably won't be that hard to get back to quote where you were if that's what you're trying to achieve. But if you have the mindset of, oh, I'm gaining and can't get back to what I was, then that can be, I think the mindset's huge. Like that can probably make or break you as far as how you are interpreting if IF is working or not when it always could in theory work. And, you know, I do think that if I had been weighing myself every day and saw my weight trending up on the scale, it might have panicked me and upset me. So maybe the fact that I threw my scale away and I didn't have the scale kept me going because it didn't matter. I was, you know, I, I wasn't worried about it. And I also trusted that everything would be fine. Yeah, I remember I was doing an interview, maybe at some point in 2020 for intermittent fasting stories. And I remember saying on the podcast, I think I was leaner a couple years ago, but I wasn't worried about it. You know, the menopausal transition usually comes with a good deal of, of weight gain for most women. But, you know, I never had to buy bigger clothes, like I said, so maybe I was a little puffier, but I was like, all right, you know, everything's okay. I'm not gaining a lot of weight, but I'm a little puffier. No problem. <laughs> but now it's really nice to, to know that that's, that's changed. Also, interesting, over the holidays, you know, I've got my shape of scale now that shows me the color. I've had periods of time where I was gray. Gray means gaining a little bit of weight. I've always been balanced out with periods of time where I go to blue. Every time. I have a question about it. I stopped using mine. I need to start using it again. I finally stepped on it again. It was like, you have to recalibrate. I was like, man. Does it always go sequential? Like, does it have to go from gray to neutral to blue? Or does it ever go straight from gray to blue? Well, it shows your trend of the past, you know, 10 days. So I feel like it would have to go sequentially just from that. Because your trend is only going to change a little bit. I mean, I guess if you like picked up a 50 pound barbell and got on there, I don't know what it would do. <laughs> got liposuction. Do that experiment and see, you know, something like that might actually make you go to gray from blue. I wonder if you could go straight from gray to blue. You would have to have a big mathematical difference. It would not be actual fat gain or loss. But, you know, just today I was green. Yesterday I was teal. I'd been blue for a little while, but before that I had a little gray. But it all seems to be, you know, evening out over time. Since I've been on the Shapa, that's helped me be even more calm about what my <laughs> my weight is doing and seeing it go up a little bit over the holidays, but then naturally come back down without any kind of stress about it. Or I haven't had to really, you know, go crazy with trying to lose it. Like if I saw gray, 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 gray over time and it kept being gray, I'd be like, all right, why is this happening? And then I would think about it. What's different? What can I do? There may be a time that I might have to change something. That would be okay, too. Using the data, making a change, seeing what you need to do, but using it as, you know, informing you instead of letting it stress you out. I don't know. But, you know, the opposite could have been true. I could have found that maybe when I went through menopause, maybe I gained 50 pounds. That could have happened. It didn't, but it could have. But would that mean intermittent fasting had failed? No. It wouldn't have meant that then either because intermittent fasting is always doing, I mean, unless you take it to the extreme and you're fasting in an unhealthy way. If you're fasting in a healthy way, living an intermittent fasting lifestyle the way you and I talk about, I can't imagine intermittent fasting making your health worse. Exactly. I haven't talked about this a lot. The thing that sold me, like sold me on the role of hormones and factors not necessarily related to what you're actually eating is I maintained a very similar weight for a really, really long time. 
And then one of my doctors suggested a super, super low dose SSRI for my GI issues. And so I trial run it and I gained a significant amount of weight in a very short amount of time with no change in diet. I mean, that is what really opened my eye. I'm so I'm actually, I didn't continue taking it because I didn't really feel comfortable with it personally. And I just didn't really like how it made me feel, but I'm actually really happy that I had that experience because I don't think I really realized until then just how powerful hormones are. And again, that's a medication, but the reason it's having that effect is because it's changing something in your hormones. I mean, it was really shocking. So when we get questions from people who feel like they, for whatever reason, they just can't lose the weight or something's just not working, it could very well be something hormonal and it's not all in your head, but also doesn't mean that there's not an answer to it either. And I think especially with hormonal things, I was talking before about the importance of food. I think this is actually a really good example of where you might be doing fasting, you might be doing calorie restriction, but if it is a hormonal issue, food choices can have a huge, huge effect on that. So if you're eating foods that are hormonally messing with you, that could be a barrier that you might not be able to break through unless you change the the food choices. You know, intermittent fasting doesn't solve every problem we have, and it also doesn't create every problem we have. You know, because we hear it both ways, right? Why is intermittent fasting not solving this problem that I've got? I thought it would. Well, maybe the cause of that is not something fasting addresses. You know, fasting lowers your insulin, fasting does lots of things, but it doesn't change everything in your life. But, you know, sometimes people will have like a strange symptom. They're like, I've been fasting for two years and all of a sudden I have three cavities. Did fasting cause that? Well, we can't say because probably not. But what if you hadn't been fasting? Do people still get cavities? Yes. It's impossible to untangle cause and effect. For example, someone was asking me today, they're like, okay, you have a vibration plate. What benefits have you seen? I'm like, I can't really tell you because I don't know what would be happening had I not used it. Oh, can I talk about that really quick? Yeah. Because when I interviewed Terry Walls, she talks about vibration plates in her book. And probably like 30% of our interview was talking about not vibration plates, but e-stim, like electrical stimulation, where they stimulate your muscle to grow. It basically makes you build muscle in the session because it makes your muscle vibrate so fast. Actually, a lot of people do it. I was asking her about this, but I think a lot of people do it cosmetically. Like, well, not cosmetically, but you can get it through like a lot of like spas and stuff. I think the brands are called M-Sculpt or Cool Toning. The point of all this was that MS patients often lose their muscles atrophy because they can't use their muscles. And she was talking about this e-stim, how it builds muscle and the profound, profound metabolic effects it has on the body. The insulin resistance actually typically starts at the muscle. So like when we're losing our muscle, we're losing a lot of our sinks to take in extra glucose. I was just thinking about with the pandemic and everything, I think a lot of people, especially getting out of their gym routines and if they have more, you know, physical type jobs, the changes in muscle could actually be a huge thing. I got really excited though in the interview because we were talking about it. And so I was just thinking about it. And so then I said, have they considered maybe using this for astronauts because, you know, astronauts are in zero gravity and not using their muscles. And then she said her people or her team had actually proposed this to NASA. Wow. So I was like, yes. But then she couldn't say what they said. So hopefully it's a good thing. Sorry, that was a tangent. But oh yeah, the vibration plates that Jen and I have. So to be clear, the vibration machines do not 
they don't make you grow muscle, but it is a very, very baby level of that where it's vibrating your, your body. So it's involuntary muscle contractions that your body actually does rebound from. So it's kind of like working out and there's, they've actually done studies on it. The point I was making, it was a rabbit hole. Yeah, that's okay. No, your tangent was fabulous. Is that I don't have an alternate reality where I didn't use it. So I can't say what changes it made if I hadn't ever used it. I don't really know. Maybe it's done a ton of things for me and 100% of my weight maintenance is because I have a vibration plate. I I doubt it. But maybe. I mean, I don't think so. Do you use it every day? No, I don't use it every day, but I use it when I, I use it a lot of days. But it's impossible to untangle cause and effect is my point. And even everything, you know, we've talked about this before, even when they're doing like, they're trying to do studies for things. There's so many different things that could be the underlying cause that you think it's one thing, but it really could have been something else. But we don't know because both of those things, you can't do one without the other happening. All right. So now we have a question from Chris and the subject is heart palpitations. Chris says, 56-year-old male doing IF for about a year, going great. Recently, I noticed that when I opened my window, 18.6 typically, with a turkey sandwich and some chocolate squares, my heart races. While I realize a racing heart isn't that bad, just wondering if you had any thoughts. I have experimented with no bread or chocolate. I seem to do better. Just weird that I didn't have that problem for a year, and here it is. Love the show. Thanks. All right, Chris, thanks for your question. So a lot of people do experience like a racing heart after foods. And just from my experience and research, it's often a food sensitivity reactivity problem. Because basically when you take in a food that your body perceives as a threat or something that you're sensitive to, it activates your sympathetic nervous system. So your stress response, and that's why you get the racing heart rate. There's actually a a method that people do where they test their food reactions by measuring their pulse. You can do it if you have done an elimination diet where you've taken out foods that you are reacting to, and then you reintroduce them. And one of the ways to test if you are reacting to it is to measure your pulse before and after the food. So it is most likely that you're reacting to something in the food. The reason that you didn't see it before and now it's just randomly popping up could be the fact that especially before we're doing IF or before we clean up our diet, the body can become more sensitive when we clean it out more. So people perceive it as becoming more reactive when often the case is that it's just before you're kind of perpetually inflamed or reacting. And then once you clean up your quote, clean up, I don't like that word, but clean up your body through IF or food choices, it can become more clear that you're reacting to things, especially if you're doing fasting because then you're in the fasted state. So you're not reacting to anything. (laughs) And then when you take in food, it's a very obvious signal to the body. So Chris, what I would suggest would be playing around with the food choices to see what you do and do not react to. I made an app, it's called Food Sense Guide, and it compares over 300 foods for, I always forget because I just updated it, 12 or 13 compounds. And these are all things that people often react to. So gluten, FODMAPs, histamines, lectins, whether or not something is AIP, oxalate, there's so many things. Things that often give people racing heart is like histamines, although turkey sandwich and chocolate squares, it's hard to know if there's anything high in histamine in there. But I would suggest 
looking at your food choices more, maybe being open to trying a, even if it's not an elimination diet, just, you know, looking at your food choices and seeing how you are reacting to things and definitely get my app that might help you. That's at melanieavalon.com slash food sense guide. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. This is just another example of what I said a couple minutes ago in that, you know, intermittent fasting doesn't itself cause everything that we're experiencing. So if you've been doing intermittent fasting for a year and you're having something new occurring, it's unlikely that like, oh, fasting is now causing me to have heart palpitations. No, it's something else. It's what, what you're eating and the way your body is responding to it. 
Although interestingly, so it could seem like IF is causing things when really it's because IF is the flashlight. It's kind of like if you're in a dark room and somebody gave you a flashlight and say the room is full of things you <laughs> things you don't like, if the room was dark, you wouldn't know they're in there. But then if somebody gave you a flashlight, all of a sudden you might see all these things that you don't like. Did the flashlight cause them? No, it just let you see them. I've heard that same analogy for like cholesterol, for example, like high cholesterol. High cholesterol is a sign that there's another problem. Within that analogy, they talk about firefighters showing up at a fire. You know, the cholesterol is the firefighters showing up at the fire. And it would be the same kind of a thing, you know, like blaming the cholesterol is just like if we blame the firefighters for starting the fire. They just show up. <laughs> Those firefighters, every time there's a fire, there they are. Let's get rid of firefighters. Or umbrellas causing rain. Right. Exactly. I think the thing with the cholesterol is the inflammation in our blood vessels, which often could be from, you know, people debate if it's sugar or if it's polyunsaturated fats or whatever it is. The cholesterol is, it's in response to the inflammation. It's not the cause of it. Arterial plaque. All right. So to wrap this up, we have two quick questions about things that break the fast. We have one from Madeline. The subject is tea. She says, I have a tea from traditional medicinals that is organic ginger. There are no calories. The only ingredient is organic ginger rhizome. I'm being so careful to adhere to a clean fast. Is this okay or not? Thanks so much for your help. I get so cold in the afternoons and coffee is bothering my stomach. Oh, that's why she needs a tea. Sorry. I was thinking that that was like a non sequitur, but okay. Thanks for any help you can give me. And then we also have a question from Susan. The subject is flavored seltzer. She says, I have a question about flavored seltzer. I have black coffee in the morning during fasting. So why can't I have lemon flavored, no sweetener, seltzer water? I mean, coffee and tea have a flavor. So why is the flavor of seltzer different? In other words, why does the subtle flavor of lemon or lime seltzer keep you from a clean fast while the strong flavor of coffee doesn't, Susie? All right, teas and seltzers. Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually go into great detail on this in Fast Feast Repeat in the Clean Fast section. People are often like, like Susan's question, they're like, aha, you said avoid flavor, but coffee and tea have a flavor. We gotcha. No, <laughs> it's different. The flavor of coffee and tea, that's a bitter flavor profile. Okay. So a bitter flavor profile is not associated with an insulin response. Our bodies do not taste bitter flavors and think, oh, glucose is coming in. I need to release insulin. So that's why the coffee and the tea are, are okay because of the bitter flavor profile. But what we do want to avoid is anything that tastes like food. So would we say that ginger is a food? Yep, it has a flavor associated with food. And the same with lemon and the same with lime. It's a different type of flavor to your brain. It's a food flavor. So we avoid food flavors during the fast. And the bitter flavor profile of coffee and tea, they're not associated as a food flavor by your brain. Yeah. One of the things that would make me a little bit nervous about ginger in particular is there's a lot of research on ginger. It helps with bloating a lot because it actually speeds up gut motility and can help with digestion. So I feel like that most likely is sending a lot of digestion food signals. Like, you know, like it's, it, it's definitely, I just know that one of the things that I read was that it speeds up gut motility when you're eating. 
So I would be cautious about it. I would suggest possibly opening your eating window with the organic ginger rhizome tea. That could be a really great way to do it. Yeah. And also I have the perfect beverage for you if you don't want to have something that breaks your fast, but you need something hot. Melanie, I bet you know what I'm going to say. Hot water. Yep. MT. <laughs> hot water in a mug. I'm having some right now. Nothing I want more than hot water in a mug. <laughs> it's fabulous, Melanie. Nothing I want more than a cold shower. Fabulous. There's so many things I want more than a cold shower. All the things. <laughs> We could do hot, cold therapy. We could alternate hot water, drinking hot water, and then getting in the cold shower. And then we could drink the hot water in the cold shower. Oh, no, 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 not doing that. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a great question, though, Susie. I love that you said, you know, hey, it's a flavor. You said no flavor. No, we avoid food flavor. So just think about that. Is this a food flavor? Is this a food or a food flavor? You know, spices, herbs things like that. And like lemon and lime are very, I mean, they're fruity, even though they're sour, but yeah. All right. We have time for one more question. This comes from Lisa, also a carryover from our Ask Me Anything episode. She says, two questions. Jen, what brand of jeans do you like slash buy? I often hear you saying you're wearing your size zero jeans as you record the podcast. She says, and Melanie, if I had everything you mentioned in the podcast, I would have nowhere to store it all. Food deliveries, light machines, Locking glasses, mood rings, breathing necklaces, specialty makeup, pills and herbs, vibration plates, arms and leg weights. I listen a lot and I'm sure I've missed quite a few. If you could recommend just one you can't live without, what would it be? Thank you so much for this podcast. I love hearing you two discuss your lives and your knowledge. Sometimes it's so over my head, my mind wanders. But when one of you finishes your thoughts and passes the baton to the other, both of you always sound like you listen through the whole explanation. Surprises me every time. I often expect to hear, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. I just retired from 31 years teaching school in California. Now with the pandemic, I spend hours in my sewing room and I'm always excited when you release a new podcast. I've been listening to all three. Thanks again. All right. I loved this from Lisa. So Jen, what brand of jeans do you like slash buy? I shop at The Loft. They're the best jeans for my body. Their clothes just fit me. So, yep. You know, as I talked about, I never was outgrew them, but jeans do have some stretch these days. So my size zero jeans fit me a little maybe tighter and now they're loose again. <laughs> my Loft jeans. I love to shop at The Loft. This is not a Loft commercial, but hey, Loft. I would be glad to have one. <laughs> I just really love the loft. Awesome. I think I've only been to the loft like twice, maybe. Yeah. They're clo- I really like their clothes. When I was a teacher, you know, I was able to find things there that worked well for the classroom. You know, Now that I'm not a teacher, their shorts fit me great. So that's just where I do really well with clothes. Love it. And then if I had to pick one thing, this is hard. So I hadn't considered, because at first I was thinking like biohacking type stuff. So I wasn't considering beauty counter, like the specialty makeup, but it's a tie between that because like put my skincare makeup is so, so important to me and removing toxins from it and then having makeup that actually works and looks amazing. So it's a tie between beauty counter, which you can shop with us at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter and something special will happen if you use that link. And then oh, this is so hard. I'm torn between my juve red lights and then the blue light blocking glasses, which kind of go together. I think, I think I'm gonna have to say juve just because it has so many uses and 
running the red light has such a major effect on my mood. And then you can use it as well for, I use it more for ambient lighting and mood, but the main reason people usually get it is for fatigue, muscle soreness, skin. So, you know, targeted treatments for your body. So probably, probably that, but then blue light blocking glasses are really important too. There's so many things. (sighs) Probably the Juve and the beauty counter though. And our link for Juve is juve.com slash IF podcast. I think there's a discount at that link. If you use the code IF podcast, I wanted to comment about the listening to the other person. One of the things I love about this show is it's like the one hour where I just, I just don't (laughs) like think about other things. So I just really love sitting here and listening to Jen's answers. Yeah. We have fun with it. We enjoy it. You know, just like being in the moment, like disconnecting from the rest of social media for like a second. So yeah, it's a fun time. It really is. So for listeners, if you'd like to submit your own questions to the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can follow us on Instagram. Jen, have you been posting on Instagram? I have. Yeah. I mean, it's not exciting. (laughs) I posted today another video of putting on a continuous glucose monitor of course, set to a Taylor Swift song. But if listeners would like to see what that looks like, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen is Jen Stevens. Oh, and you can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And the show notes, I don't think I even said this, are at ifpodcast.com slash episode 203. And there will be a full transcript there. So definitely check that out. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. Another good show. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.